You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We're in a series entitled, A Fresh Start. What you're going to do right now, they're going to be packing their shoeboxes this week. I uh, went to stores and just loaded up all kinds of goodies, uh, more like toys, things like that. Which those are goodies, right? I uh, can't put food in the boxes, but uh, the children now are going to pack those. They're going to write notes to these kids. We're going to uh, pay for the shipping so we can track where the, uh, where the boxes go. And I'm so proud of these young people. And uh, you, you parents helped, of course, during uh, July by uh, giving them some, some funds as well. But uh, they were giving during our vacation Bible school for this particular project. And uh, so... Uh, there's going to be some delayed gratification, but I think they're really going to enjoy uh, as they do it. One announcement that I failed to mention earlier, it's not in your bulletin, but those of you that have children that are in our Patch the Pirate Club, Patch the Pirate Club meets at 10 o'clock on Sundays uh, over here in the Fellowship Hall, which is right across the, uh, the lawn from this room here, and uh, they're going to be uh, singing before Thanksgiving and so for that to happen, they need to have a practice after church next week. Okay, So parents, if you've got children that are in Patch Club, uh, plan to just stay for another uh, 10, 15 minutes or so after church so they can kind of practice up here on the stage and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing from them. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, Deuteronomy 6. I don't know about you, but wow, my heart is just overflowing with the goodness of God uh, here this morning and uh, I almost just wanted to hear the trumpet blow while we were singing that. And for those of you that know uh, theology, that uh, the, uh, the rapture, and uh, looking forward uh, to that day, and almost I just wished it almost happened uh, while we were singing that. But uh, what we're about to do right now is look into the Word and preaching. Hear me. That's every bit as worshipful as what we've just did for the last 15 minutes or so. And uh, so that's we... Uh, we, we believe that it is all worship. We're going to give at the end an offering that is all forms of worship. Deuteronomy chapter 6, you're going to kind of see a theme a little bit of why we sang some of the songs that we sang today. Look at verse number 4, Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. We're going to continue this morning the series, A Fresh Start. You have these children of Israel. Uh, many of them would be 55, actually all of them, 55 years around that age and younger. They're on the banks of Jordan. Moses is preparing them about a 70-day period to get ready to go into the promised land for a fresh start. Things were going to look different. Things were going to taste different. Because it wasn't going to be manna coming from heaven. Things were going to be different, but they were heading into victory. Heading into the promised land. And Moses is helping them get there. And uh, this morning he is going to help us with the idea of loving God. Love God with all your heart. To love God with all your heart. If you have the idea that the Old Testament is all about external rituals and rules, then I want you to take this verse in. You're to love God with all your heart. 
These commands are to be in your heart. They are to be the interior, the inside of you, which will then flow out into the external rituals and rules and things that often we think of the New Testament is. But you and I, we are to love God with all of our hearts. And it says in verse number six, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thine heart. We're talking about a personal, spiritual relationship with Almighty God that is formed by faith and it will become characterized by love. It is formed by faith, formed by faith in Christ, and then it becomes displayed, if I can put it that way, with love. The gospel reminds us of a, of a uh, central, the central place of where love uh, love is. And when you look to the Gospels, you, you learn uh, what it's about. On one occasion, there is a teacher of the law, and he comes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus, of all of the commandments, of all of the rules, of all of the, the stuff that we're supposed to do, what is the greatest? What a great question. That, that is a really, really good question. Of everything that God has said, and he has said a lot. What matters most? What matters most? What is it that God wants from me? This lawyer asked Jesus. And Jesus' answer to that question in Mark 12 will be up on the screen. And Jesus answered him that question of what matters most. The first of all the commandments is, and he's going to quote here from Deuteronomy, O hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. What matters most, God? You've said, you've said so much to us. But what, what is the most important to love God and to love neighbor. And in a parallel passage in Matthew's text, Jesus goes on to say, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. To love God with all your heart and to also love your neighbor. Everything that God says to you, everything that He calls you to do can be summed up in those two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. Now, for those of you that haven't been in our 10 o'clock study, your neighbor isn't only the person that lives right next to you. Okay? I have my neighbor. Actually, I have two neighbors in church here. I got Miss Luda here, and then I got Ron back there. So I got both sides of my neighbors uh, are here in church this morning, and praise God for that. And we love you, of course, but it's far grander that of, of what your neighbor means. Jesus um, explains in scriptures that we're to love the stranger. We're to love the person that we don't know. And then also, we are to love even our, you ready for this one? We're even to love our enemies. And maybe the person that's harmed us said something against us. We're to, we're to expound or display this love to God and to our neighbor. The first, the, the, the Ten Commandments which were given back in Deuteronomy chapter 5. We looked at that chapter last week. They lay out what 
loving God and loving your neighbor looks like. The first four commandments tells us what it means to love God. Um, You shall have no other gods before him. You find that in in, um, Deuteronomy 5.7. You will not have any idols. You are not to make any graven images. You find that in in chapter 5, verse number 8. You are not to take the Lord's name in vain. You're not to curse the the, the Lord's name in vain. You're not to just say repeatedly, you know, the name of the Lord and just prayers that always sound the same. We learn that. And then you are to remember the, the, the Sabbath or remember the day of the Lord. Those are how we love God. And then the chapter goes on to how do we love our neighbor, our father and our mother. We're not to murder. We're not to commit adultery. We're not to steal. We're not to, we're not to lie. And we're not to covet what uh, someone else has. And so the Ten Commandments tell us all what it means to live a life of love. It spells it out. Now remember who these individuals are that are hearing this. They weren't there at Mount Sinai, or they were 15 years or younger. So they were very, very young generation, or they were born in the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years. And now Moses is reminding them of the Ten Commandments, which were given in Exodus. That's why the name Deuteronomy means the second law. And so he's reminding these people, hey, you're getting ready to make a fresh start. And we're going to boil everything down to loving God and loving our neighbor. You could say that the entire book of Exodus, it's an exposition of love. God is love and his people are called to live a life of love. And the commandments tell us what that looks like. And all of the law hinges on that. It says in Romans 13, verse 10, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So these two great commandments, we're going to only deal with one this morning. We'll get to love your neighbor later in the series, but this first great commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your soul, so forth, it's the fulfillment of the law. The law is an explanation of what love is. If you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, then you will have done all that God commands you. And so let's start off this morning. We're just going to break this text down. Let's start off, first of all, with the people. The people. We see in verse number four, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one Lord. Moses is speaking to to Israel and he describes the Lord as our Lord. These are God's people. Okay, the Lord is our God. And they are God's people because, first of all, God had chosen them. God had chosen them. These people that are being referenced here, we see in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. And so these are God's people. This is Israel. Okay, This is his, the apple of his eye, the, the Jewish people. And that's why we always want to back Israel. We always want to be for Israel. But these are his people. These are his chosen people. They are God's people, not because they made him theirs, but because God made them his. Nations choose their gods. But God 
chose this nation. And so they are a chosen people. So they belong to God. These are God's people also because God has redeemed them. He's redeemed them. We'll look at a few verses here in Deuteronomy. Verse, chapter 4, verse 34. Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you. What Moses is saying here, Moses wants to, he wants to remind them, I want to I tell you all that God's done for you. God has, God has redeemed you miraculously. The word redeemed in this sense would really kind of how all the word redeemed means in the Bible. It, he's, he, he's buying them back or he's, he's, getting them, he's getting them back. He's redeeming them. Deuteronomy 6 verse 12, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, or God redeemed them from Egypt. He got them out. He brought them back. Verse 21 of Deuteronomy 6, Then shalt thou say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Deuteronomy 7, verse 8, But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, would be those fathers. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so when we're talking about, we're talking about the people here. The Lord, our God, they they were chosen people. They were redeemed people. They also were people that God has made a covenant with. God had made a covenant with these people. We see in Deuteronomy 5, verse 2, the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. And if you remember last week, we're talking about how we're thinking, you know, Moses, God didn't make a covenant with us. We weren't even born. Or we were just little children at the time. And so Moses is reminding them that no, no, God made this covenant with all. God made this covenant with you. And we saw last week how there's a, there's a man greater than Moses, being Jesus. And our covenant is not written on tables of stone like those Ten Commandments, but it's written in the very blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you and I, we have, we have, a, we, we have a greater covenant, so to speak. But they have a covenant with God. God has bonded these people to Himself forever. And a unique covenant that goes back to the promise that he made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. And I will make of thee a great nation. And in thee, Abraham and his seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this command to love God with all your heart, hear what I'm about to say. It's not given to God's enemies. It's given to his friends. This command is given to the people that he had chosen, the people that he had redeemed from slavery, the people whom he had pledged his promises to, and the people he is leading into the promised land. God does not call his enemies to love him for the simple reason that his enemies cannot do so. God calls his enemies to repent 
and to believe the gospel. And so, but when a redeemed people, he says, I want you to love me. God speaking. I want you to love me. He's speaking to his friends. He's speaking to the people that he has done great things for. Have we not sung about that all morning long? And so he, these are his people here. The message to your unbelieving friends or to your rebellious children is not love God with all your heart. They can't do that. They don't have that really even in them. Our message to the world is not love the Lord your God. Our message is repent and believe the Gospel. But to those who do repent, those who have believed, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I stand before you and God's message to you this morning would be love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might with all your mind. If God has laid His hand on your life, if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've been embraced, if you've embraced the Savior by faith, if that describes you, I want to call you to that today. To love your Lord, your Lord, our God in our text, to love your Lord, to love your God, because He's placed His hand on you. He has saved you. You've trusted the blood of Jesus Christ. Then I want to call you, and I want to call myself this morning, and just let's buckle our seatbelts here a little bit this morning, to love God, to love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and so on and so forth. So let's look at the Lord. The people was clearly those that He were His, his people in the text, and you and I, we have a better covenant now. We have someone that's better than Moses. We have something that's better than the Ten Commandments. And it's Christ. And it's the cross. And so the people can be us. Not in the text. You're not one of God's, you know, unless you are a part of the, the Jewish nation. But for the most part, you and I, we're near Gentiles. you got Jews, Gentiles. So that's the people. Who's the Lord? Secondly, the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, this is important because you and I live in a pluralistic society where loving God becomes, for many people, loving God as I conceive Him to be. When you say love God to someone who is not a believer, they often feel the freedom to fill the word God in with anything from their imagination. Anything that they want to fill that content in with. But God is not, here I'm about to say, God's not whoever you want Him to be. God is who He is. Yahweh is not whoever you want Him to be. Lord, to love Jehovah, your God, with all your heart. He is the one who made promises to Abraham as well as appeared to Moses. He is the one that brought Israel by a mighty strong arm, the Bible says. We read those verses. Out of Egypt, out of the bondage of Pharaoh. And He's also the one that appeared at Mount Sinai in the fire that we looked at last week. Supremely, God is the one who has revealed Himself through Jesus Christ. So today, people say, ah, 
Just have faith. But you define who or what that faith is in. Whatever, whatever works for you. Love God and let the God that you love be the God of your own choosing. Pluralism thrives on the assumption that all names of God are simply human constructions. That they're simply human stories. That all the names for whoever you want to put in there for God, they're just merely human ways of expressing what is ultimately unknowable. I want to stand before you and I want to proclaim on the Word of God that you can know God. And He's one Lord. This pluralistic society where, you know, you can just make Him into whatever, you can craft Him into whatever shape you want, and you can bow down to certain things. No, there is one Lord. And boy, we sang about Him this morning, didn't we? It's good. Who's the people? Try to answer that. One, the Lord. Let's look at thirdly here, the love. The love. Now let's get to verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. So what kind of love is this? What, do we, what exactly is, is Moses trying to get across to this really young generation? It's this next generation that's getting ready to begin to express their faith. And let me remind the older generation, you need to allow the younger generation to express their faith. You say, but Ryan, it doesn't always look like mine. As long as the object is Christ, it's okay. Can I get a few more amens on that? <sighs> you younger generation, you were getting real nervous, right? They're about to boot you out of the church. You need to allow them to express their faith. It's not going to be manna. It might not be canvas tents. It's going to be houses. It's going to be brick and mortar. It's going to be steak. Well, I don't know exactly what they were eating. But it wasn't manna. It's going to be a little bit different than what you were used to. And I stand before you and say that is a good thing, not a bad thing. But this love that we're supposed to be expressing, this Moses talking to this young generation, that was just a little soapbox right there that I got on for a moment. He says, this what this what is supposed to, let me, let, let me drive this home here. With all your heart. We've got to love God with all your affection. Do not think for a second that your salvation is some kind of business transaction where Jesus did His part, you do your part, and then all of a sudden you get to shake hands and say, what a great deal. No. It was all God. And we sang, sang about it for 20 minutes. It was all Him. All Him moving on our part Christ redeemed us. He shed His blood to bring you to Himself. He does this. Why? Because He loves you. The relationship into which He brings us into is one in which you know Him and you come increasingly to Him in love over and over again. In the Hebrew language, the heart, when you see the word heart there in that text, it, it includes the mind. It includes the, the will. It includes the, the desires, the intent, and the, and the motives of who you are. Mike really taught in on that when he was teaching his series this past summer. Your thinking, your, your feeling, your desires are all done in your heart. 
we often think of the head and the heart as two kind of two different departments. And they have two differing kind of things. We often will use a phrase similar to this. Hmm, am I going to listen to my head or my, talk to me, heart? Often that's what we'll do. <laughs> oh, my heart's saying this, but my head's saying this. And that's kind of our vernacular of our day. But when Jesus quoted these words, Deuteronomy 6, he added the word mind. We see in Mark 12, verse 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And notice what he adds here, and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And so you and I, we're to, we're to love God with all of our heart. Well, what that means is, is you are to love him with everything that is in you. Now, I'm not a Sharks fan. Is that okay? And so, I, but I'm, not a, I'm not a Flyers fan either. I'm a Kings fan, and they're at the very bottom of the Pacific. So, there you go. My team's the worst. But Mike actually brought a great illustration this morning when we were getting ready to sing another song. And sometimes we'll go to an event like that, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this at all. Don't go to that conclusion. And you go nuts for a team. I'm all about it. Marquita, she loves the Astros. And there's nothing wrong with that. But can I ask you a question? Is there the same kind of passion when it comes to Jesus? Is there the same kind of expressions towards Jesus? I was kind of joking with high-fiving with Mike and things like that. <laughs> you know, you feel allowed to do that, go for it. But that's not what he was really trying to get out of you is everybody high-fiving in church. The reality is, is there, ought to be, there ought to be a unique passion when it comes to Jesus. There ought to be something that, that, that flows from our hearts because we have been so loved by him. And it's the, the mind and the heart. Those things go hand in hand. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, the Bible says. But David said this in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, we sang this last week, O my soul, and all that is what? Within me. Bless His holy name. That's what it means. It means to love God with all your affection, your mind, and your heart. So what does he mean with, with all your soul? Well, the word soul could also be translated life. Love the Lord with all your energy, with all of your talent, with all of your years. Make commitments that show you love Him. People see that you love your family, that you love your work, that you love your sports team. It's, it's abundantly obvious. What are you doing? This is just a question. Allow the Holy Spirit to prick your heart as He needs to prick mine. What are we doing that makes it obvious that we love Christ? I think it's a fair question. With all your soul or with, with, all of your, with all of your life, let's not let our years just slip away. Let's not allow our talents that have been given to us just to lie in waste with all of our soul. All of our heart. All of our soul. And then our text in the Old Testament says, with all your might. With all your might. The word might literally means your, listen, it's going to sound odd, 
your very muchness. I'll explain that here in a moment. Your very muchness. <laughs> what? It means your substance. It means your possessions. Uh-oh. Here he goes. It means that all God has given you in this life. Jesus spoke with a man who had great substance. He had lived a moral life. He had felt that he had kept all of the commandments, that he hadn't murdered, he hadn't committed adultery, no stealing. He cared for his father. He cared for his mother. So the man thought that he had kept the law. But Jesus brings him to a point that he got him to understand that he was, miss, he was missing the point. And so when Jesus challenged this young man, I want, you to, I want you to go sell your goods. And I want you to give it to the poor. And if you know your Bible, you know that man left very sorrowful. That man left very kind of sunken. And he had, he had connected his worth to a external way of living and where you and I, we ought, to found, we ought to find our worth in Christ. So let me ask you a question. Let me, let me, let me meddle a little bit. And don't get mad at me, okay? Because I love you. What are you doing with your muchness? The way you use your substance is a reflection of what you love. How do you use your substance? So let me conclude by asking you another question. And that's this. When it comes to loving the Lord with all your heart, loving the Lord with all of your soul or your life, or loving the Lord with your might, your, your, your muchness, your the substance, how are you doing? How are you doing? Could you imagine being... Peter, after Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and they're kind of out over on the hillside and having a conversation with the resurrected Christ. And he comes to Peter and he says, in verse 16 of John 21, he say to him again, they're having a conversation. Send to him the second time, Simon, this is Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Can you picture the risen Lord looking deep into your soul and asking you, hey, Ryan, hey, hey, Ryan, do you really love me? Oh, with all my heart and I'm starting to think, <laughs> with all my soul, with all my might, Jesus added mind, connected to the heart. I'll be honest with you. I haven't done that for five minutes in my life. You know what happens when I look at this? It makes me realize how much I need a Savior. It makes me realize how much I need rescue that is found in Jesus Christ. You want to know what the purpose of the law is? It's really kind of the same purpose that I gave last week of why we would teach our children the fear of the Lord. It's to cause you to run to your mediator. It's to cause you to, to, 
to run to Jesus, which we learn in the New Testament that, that, that in Christ and that in His Spirit, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That you and I, we're, we're given what we need in Jesus. That I need a Savior who can forgive me because my best attempts to loving God, oh, they come nowhere close to it. And my prayer and my desire was for this message to lay heavy on you. Listen, if you're seated there this morning and you're like, I got this. I'm loving it with all my heart. I'm loving it with all my soul. I'm loving it with all my mind, all my muchness, all my might. Woo! We've missed the weight of the law. Because the law is there to push you to Jesus. To run to Him. To find your rescue in someone who loved perfectly with all of his heart. Someone who loved perfectly with all of his life. Hello, he died on the cross for us. To give up everything. To give up the riches of heaven and the oneness with his Father and be willing to take on sin for us to where he would then say, my God, my God, my Father, my Father, why are you forsaking me? To give up his muchness. To give up what he had for you and for me and so that you and I we get his record. That's what the law is supposed to do. It's supposed to push you into the perfect record of Jesus Christ. Why can you and I love him, church? Because he first loved us. And where do we learn how much he loved us? We look to the cross. If you want to grow in your love for the creator, if you want to grow in your love for others, look to the cross. Look to Jesus. Isaac Watts, he said it well in his hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. You want to know what this message was meant to do? Not to make you feel bad. Because really, none of us could do it. What it's actually meant you to do is the exact same thing we concluded last week. Was to make you run to your mediator. The fear of God was so frightening to these people. They're like, oh, Moses, can you, can you go talk to God for us? We're going to die if we keep hearing this. And so what does Moses do? Moses begins to go talk with God, and he comes back. We have a greater mediator than Moses. Moses is standing before these people, and he's saying, this is what's expected of you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, substance, everything. And we'll get to in a few weeks. Oh, by the way, and to love your neighbor. And then you and I, we run to our perfect mediator. We run to Jesus who did it perfectly for us. So let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? If you don't, this command is lying in there for you. But the reality is, is that we got to repent because we can't ever do it. And then we got to believe the gospel. We got to believe that Jesus Christ did it for us. So I'm going to give you a moment right now to thank God for Jesus because 
this command that we find in, the, in Deuteronomy 6 is something that you and I would fall crushing under that load apart from Christ. So we're going to sing here in a moment. But can you sing to God right now in your praise all that he's done for you? He took these people, he redeemed them, he brought them out of Egypt. He says, oh, by the way, I love you so that you can love me. Why don't you, why don't you pray right now and thank him for Jesus.